Come on, church family. That's good, huh? Good morning and happy Father's Day to all of you dads. God bless you. We love you so much here at Go Church. And I know that like Mother's Day and Father's Day aren't necessarily emotionally neutral holidays. We all have a different dynamic in our family structure. But for those of you that are able to celebrate the, the man in your life, the husband in your life, the dad in your life, take advantage of that today. So come on from the front of the room to the back at every campus as well. Can we just love on all the dads real quick? Come on, let them know you love them. If you got the best dad in the room, make some noise. Come on. I love that. We got a free gift, not just for the dads. We got a free gift for every guy here today. So make sure whatever campus you're a part of, you get that free gift on your way out. Speaking of campuses, let me look at the camera in the back of this room. This is our South Metro Atlanta campus, our broadcast campus. And we live stream to our Westside Atlanta campus and our Germantown, Maryland campus there in Montgomery County, Maryland. And so we greet all of you today. And so whatever campus you're a part of, can we put our hands together and greet each other like one big happy family? Come on, make some noise. Good, good, good. Everybody online as well. God bless you. And then if you've been a part of, of Go Church for any uh, number of weeks, you know that before we get into the message, we have this tradition where we pause to give honor to the brave men and women that have served in the military, serving in the military, and then all of those who your job puts you on the front line as a first responder. So I'd love for you to do this. This is just a moment of acknowledgement and appreciation, but whatever campus you're a part of today, if you fall into that category of military men and women first responder, would you put your hand up and then let us just show you some love. Thank you, come on, keep your hand up just for a moment. Come on church family. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Come on, a little bit louder. Here we go. I like that. Today is not only a Father's Day, which is a significant holiday, but today is also a holiday that is new to many of us, which is kind of a sad reality, but it being June 19th, today is a federal holiday of Juneteenth. And I want to take just a quick moment and acknowledge that. And maybe you're wondering, well, why is Pastor JC going to talk about Juneteenth on Father's Day? And I'll tell you for a couple of reasons. Number one, we should always, always be, be willing to celebrate those that were once bound to the shackles of slavery that they have now found freedom. Like, I think that's incredibly important. <laughs> Secondly, here at Go Church, here at Go Church, we are beautifully diverse. Uh, and I want you to never take that for granted. You can go to any campus on any given Sunday, any gathering, look around the room, and you'll see people from all over the world. And at Go Church, we stand in opposition to the sin of racism. We believe that God created people in his image, red, yellow, black, white, everyone special in the eyes of God. So this is, and I, listen, I hate that I even have to preface it with this, but this is not a a political statement by any means. It's just that today we pause to celebrate with our African-American brothers and sisters the emancipation from slavery. So we say, God bless you. We're better because of you. And we're one big family. So can we put our hands together as a sign of affirmation? Thank God for you. You know what? I mean that from my heart. Come on, can we thank God for our brothers and sisters? Red, yellow, black, white. Thank God for you. Man, I love Go Church. Now, you are in for a real treat today because it is Father's Day, and uh, which, by the way, my family got me a lawnmower for Father's Day. Come on, somebody. 
So, Kimberly, you're getting a vacuum for Mother's Day. I'm just going to say that. No, I asked for the lawnmower. Okay, I asked for the lawnmower. But maybe you got your gift already. It is Father's Day. But we're in for another real gift today. And I'm not just saying that. I truly mean this. Uh, my father-in-law, uh, our papa of the family, uh, Pastor Allen, is going to be speaking today. And, and we're going to honor him in just a moment with a round of applause. But, uh, you know, we, we call him the bishop of this house. Because for 33 years, he and Dr. Valerie, my mother-in-law, they served as the pastors of this church for 33 years, and they did so uh, incredibly well, incredibly well. In 2018, they made a transition from that current role of senior leader, and they passed the baton of leadership and spiritual oversight over to me and Kimberly. It's been four years now, and, uh, and I'm so grateful for that. That's, that is probably one of the most humbling responsibilities I've ever been given is to be able to pastor this church and follow you know, in succession to the, the gifting that the two of you are. I was thinking about what you've given me over the years. You gave me your daughter's hand in marriage. I'm grateful for that. You gave me a job as a young guy to be a youth pastor. I'm grateful for that. You gave me this church and these wonderful people. I'm grateful for that. So I got my eyes on your Lexus. Come on, somebody. I just thought that. If we're giving stuff away, if it's free, it's for me. How many of you are on that board? Come on. No, I'm just grateful for you. And, uh, Thousands and thousands of people's lives have been forever impacted and changed because of your ministry and your messages. High character, high integrity, uh, high convictions, deep convictions, man of great values. What I love so much about my father-in-law is he's no different off the stage as he is on the stage. I mean, he is still as hilarious off the stage as he is on the stage. He's still as direct off the stage as he is on the stage. And I'm just so grateful for you. Uh, almost everybody knows that my father passed away when I was a, a kid, 13 years old. And um, I, I knew what kind of girl that I was marrying when I got Kimberly. Just didn't know I was going to get a dad too. And man, I love you. And I honor you today. I thank God for you. Every success that we ever have at Go Church and every victory that we ever will have here at this church is because I stand on your shoulders. You paved the way. You paved the way. You did the hard work. And I just get to reap the benefit of your sacrifice and, and selflessness. So today we honor you, Dad, as the, the bishop of this house and a spiritual father here. So whatever campus you're a part of today, we love to give honor. And we do this for special guests. But how about for one of our own? Would you stand to your feet, put your hands together, and welcome the Denzel Washington of Trinidad. Come on, somebody. The Bishop, Alamatura. <laughs> Amen. Can you remain start standing, please? Thank you for that. Wow. Uh, I didn't know it was all that, but I'll take everything I can get. And I do appreciate the words. I really do. We've got a lot of living to do to meet some of those wonderful traits and characteristics you shared. I praise the Lord for you. I need to say this not because I want to be a part of a mutual admiration society. I need to say that uh, four years ago when my wife and I made the decision, decision to transition, there was nobody else that the Lord revealed to us showed us 
other than Pastor JC and our daughter Kimberly. We were not going to leave until that window or door was opened unless God wanted us to do something else. I've never regretted one day because you're right, this is my dream and my legacy. You're right about that. And you don't want to build a dream and legacy and have somebody come and tear it down. That makes a spirit of slap want to come all over you. <laughs> Never regretted it, Pastor JC. I know for this church, there is not a lack of very good preachers. Very good. See several on, on this side of me. And Pastor JC excels, as you already know, because you've been part of his family, some longer than others. He excels in a lot of areas of leadership. And I've seen that, appreciated that. But I think he shines the most when he preaches the gospel. That's the most. He's called, above all else, he's called to be a pastor and a shepherd. That never uh, rang home to me, rung home to me more vividly than three Sundays ago when he preached a part of the series on You Asked For It. And the subject that day was hot topics, and you know what they are. It had to do with real, relevant, everyday stuff. I wasn't here that Sunday. I had a, a different assignment, but uh, I went back, and, and I looked at it and listened to it. Well, I was moved. There was intellect there. There was practicality there. There was no fear there, and there was anointing. If you haven't heard that, you need to go back three Sundays from now. And in the course of your message, and I reminded him in the first service, he probably didn't need a reminder, that uh, you mentioned that three people got up, walked out. And you knew what that was. They weren't thirsty. At least they were not thirsty, thirsty for the word. And I found when I was listening and looking at the video that your anointing seemed to double up when that got out of the way because you pressed through. This is not about, about, go ahead and give the Lord that. So I, I think of all else that you have here in, in their leadership, you have great, great preaching. And I'm not even selling my Lexus as much as giving it to you. So I, I need you to pray for me and we're going to have a, a good time together because the Holy Ghost will teach us and we can receive by being happy also. If you'll pray for me, I'll appreciate it. I need it because I'm just flesh. And if I'll pray for you, the same is true about you. Amen? So I'm going to ask you to stand your hand in this direction and would you pray above a whisper so the enemy will just not distract you by your silence. Let's do it. Father, in Jesus' name, I need you today. Go ahead and pray for me. The old song said, if I ever needed the Lord before, I sure do need him now. And so, Father, I just pray that the Holy Ghost, again in this service, the second service, would dwell in us, open our understanding. It's Father's Day. People got things on their mind, place to go and dinner and all. But I pray today in Jesus' name, bind us together as one now. 
I cast out distraction. I cast out fear. Cast out any resistance that would be here. And I pray you'd cover us. And God be the glory. Amen? Amen. You may be seated. Amen. Be seated. So uh, how many dads have already received your dad gift this morning? Just raise your hands. One, two, three, four. Okay, the rest of us, you better go home and see if Amazon's brought anything. I asked my wife this morning if Amazon runs on Sunday. <laughs> well, I guess it's because I won't get anything. I think the trash is still under the sink. The yard still need cutting. Uh, the lid is still not down on you know what. Uh, but you got Jesus. So let me give you a little something lighthearted, okay? Uh, and let me just, just lighthearted. This does not deduct from my time, Pastor. I'm sure, yeah, this is, yeah, it's got a different kind of anointing. Okay, so uh, this husband noticed that his wife was missing for a while. So he uh, calls the police department to send on a sergeant, and this is what he says, the husband. My wife is missing. She went shopping yesterday and hasn't come home. The sergeant said, what's your height? He said, gee, I'm not sure, a little over five feet tall. Sergeant said, what about her weight? He said, don't know, not slim, but not real fat. And, and then Sergeant asked, what's the color of her eyes? And uh, the husband said, sort of brown, I think. I really uh, never noticed. The sergeant asked, what's the color of her hair? The husband said, well, it changes a couple of times during the year, but, but it may be dark brown, I can't remember. The sergeant asked, uh, what was she wearing? The husband said, well, it could have been pants or shorts. I don't know exactly. And so the sergeant asked, what kind of truck did she go in? The husband responded, she went in my truck. The sergeant said, what kind of truck was it? The husband said, a 2016 Ford F-150 King Ranch 4x4 with EcoBoost 5.0 V8 engine, special ordered with manual transmission and climate control air conditioning. It has a custom matching white cover for the bed, which has been matching aftermarket bed liner, custom leather six-way seats and bubba floor mats, trial, uh, trail ring package with go hitch and special wiring hookups, DVD with full GPS navigation, satellite radio receiver, 23 channel CB radio, 6 cup holders, a USB port and 4 power outlets I added special alloy wheels and off-road Michelins it has custom running boards and indirect wheel well lighting at this point the husband started choking up, the sergeant said don't worry buddy, we'll find your truck how about it ladies Yes, if you get nothing else, you'll get that. So I'm going to risk this title, and I'm going to know that you're going to know who this is before I get to him. One bad haircut. And here's the functional verse for, the, for this message. Judges 16 and 20. He did not know that the Lord had departed from him. On the count of three, would you reverse it back one more? Uh, and let's read it together. Here we go. One, I'm hoping by three you'll get there. Two, <laughs> repeat after me. He did not know that the Lord had departed 
from him. So, since this talk is about hair, let me go a little further. Hair. Some have it and some don't. What you laughing at? Some grow it and some buy it. Hair. Some cut it and some don't. Some color it, color it, and some don't. Some wash it and some yes. Some cover it, some don't. Some style it and some style it with a weed eater. So most everybody who has hair sometimes will need to have it cut. Now, now listen to this. Many haircuts aren't cheap. <laughs> let, let me tell you this, okay? I was born in Trinidad. We came to America in 1968. So I lived for my first 11 years in Trinidad. Okay, very, very Trinidadish. My first haircut that I can remember, of course, 25 cents, 25 cents, and this has lasted 65 years. <laughs> Haircuts uh, are not cheap. L- listen, uh, here's what I read about the most expensive haircut recorded. It cost in English currency 8,000 pounds, but in American currency, it cost $16,420. And it was made by Stuart Phillips at the Stuart Phillips Salon in Covent Garden, London, England, 2007. Can you imagine a haircut that expensive? But at Satan's Barbershop, many people pay far more than $16,000. Now let me, let me move you to another what would seem different thought, but it's meant to come together in a moment. We're all familiar with comic characters, comic books. The character Superman stands out very strong. I like Superman. But I like Batman. Not as much as I like Superman. And anybody who tells you that Batman killed Superman, they're lying. Never happened, never will. But about Superman, he was faster than a locomotive, most powerful than a speeding bullet, able to leap tall buildings in a single bound. And I like this phrase, look, up in the air, it's a bird, it's a plane. No, it's, ah, you're good, you're good. Superman was a visitor from a strange planet endowed with powers and abilities beyond those of mortal men. He, Superman, disguised as Clark Kent, mild-mannered reporter for the Daily Planet, he wages a never-ending battle for truth, justice, and the American way. But it is all a fiction. In other words, there ain't no Superman. Sorry for the Father's Day letdown. The red cape Superman has never existed except in the 
in the lands of TV, movies, and comic books. He doesn't exist. He didn't exist. It's entertaining. But there was in the Bible a real live Superman. His name was Samson. And for our time together, these next moments, we're going to dwell on this character, this person in Scripture who could be known as the Bible's Superman. Scripture says he lived at a time when the nation of Israel was in bondage of the Philistines. The whole book of Judges has to do with God raising up one judge after another judge after another judge to drive away the enemy of the Philistines. When they were driven away, it seemed like Israel would backslide again and the Philistines would come back. Samson is the last of the judges of Israel and he judged Israel for 20 years and he was not a good judge. Might I give you a few examples of his strength, however. He had some attributes that the Bible Let's just know it's noteworthy. Examples of his strength. The Bible says he killed a lion with his bare hands. That's phenomenal. It says he took the jawbone of a donkey and killed 1,000 Philistines. Can you imagine him in the middle of a field? with a jawbone of a donkey and, uh, and the Philistines uh, coming at him from every angle, a circular angle, and he kills all 1,000 of them. And, and the Bible tells us that when he did these marvelous feats, it was only because the anointing of the Lord was upon him. Scripture says he uprooted a city gate. He was... In a particular city, a nightfall came, and there were those in the city who, who wanted to see him destroyed. And, and so they said, at midnight or in the morning, we're going, to, uh, we're going to destroy him. But right now, we're going to keep him in our confines of the city. And then he lifted up the gates and left the city. Went a long mile, a ways, maybe a few miles. Here's another thought. He tied the tails of 300 foxes pair two by two, placed a firebrand between them and let them go destroying the enemy's crops. I can't, now I'm not a gun person, but I'll just say if I was given a hunting ability or whatever about hunting, I can't even shoot a fox, much less chase down 300 and he ties fire between their tails and he turns them loose and I'm seeing foxes running all kind of direction thinking, what have we ever done to him? Here's another thought. He brought down the house. Literally brought down the house. We find that in the Word in the 16th chapter. The last day that Samson lived after he was captured by the Philistines, after he had his eyes gouged out, after his arms and legs were in shackles, after he was mocked at repeatedly, he was placed, he was led by a young lad because he was blind in the middle of the arena. And this arena was sort of like an amphitheater. And the, the Philistines were mocking at him and laughing at him. And, and, and on that last day of his life, the Bible said he prayed to God for vengeance on his enemies and for his eyes. Let me, let me destroy my enemies with this one last time. And let me take, you take my life also. And it happened, the whole house 
amphitheater came down. You don't do that by your own strength. God returned an anointing. Now, what, what is this? Why was, back to Superman for a moment, why was Superman so strong? Was it because of his cape? Was it because of his uniform? Was it because of what he ate? It is because, according to the comic reality and the enjoyment of that, it's because his power came from another planet, Krypton. Why was Samson so strong? Was it because he did not cut his hair? Was it because he lifted weights? No, his strength came from another world. It came from the heavenlies. That's where yours come. Samson is an object lesson to the people of God that our strength does not come from the world. It comes from God itself. And if God be for us, who can be against? <laughs> Hallelujah. Wow, I was going to clap myself, Pastor JC. If they didn't clap, I was so good. I was about to take up an offering for myself. But I won't go that far. Look at this. The nation of Israel was in trouble. Israel had been held bondage by the Philistines for years. And I noted earlier that, that when Samson came on the scene, they had been in bondage for 40 years. They needed a deliverer. How's that going to happen? Well, the Bible says... God began the process of sending a deliverer to Israel by sending an angel to an obscure family out in the country, so to speak. The, the, the would-be father of Samson's name is Manoah. He's the husband of the would-be mother of Samson. We, her name we don't have. And, and the Bible says they were told that their son would be used of God to deliver Israel. The mother-to-be is told that her son would be a Nazarite. Your question would be, if you already may not be familiar with it, and some of you are, the who is a Nazarite or what is a Nazarite? Well, a Nazarite, the Hebrew terms means consecration. A Nazarite, the Hebrew terms means devotion and separation. And God will not use someone to their full potential unless they are willing to be separated from the things that could destroy them. Amen? So here's a Nazarite by definition. A Nazarite was not to eat or drink from the fruit of the vine. No grape products. None. A Nazarite could not touch anything that would be unclean, such as a dead body. L let me give you an example here. I told you that he killed a lion with his bare hands. And the Bible says, in so doing, after killing that lion with his bare hands, he, he proceeded on to his destination. He must have been at his final destination for several days. He begins now to return to his mother and father's house. And when he, when, when he on his journey home, he noticed that the lion was still in the path. But, of course, it, it was uh, dead. But he would no notice further that there was a honeycomb in the inside of the lion. And, uh, and, and Samson was hungry and his energy was being sapped. Uh, and so the Bible says he reached into this dead thing that you're not supposed to touch. And he took his handful of honeycomb and he ate it and he was strengthened. And he took some from his, to his father and mother they ate it, they were strengthened, but he didn't tell his parents where it came from. 
Because they already knew what a Nazarite was. Be sure your sins will find you out. Same for me. Let me say this. So I told you no eating or drinking of the fruit of the vine. I told you that uh, not touching any unclean thing or uh, uh, as a dead body. And then a Nazarite was not to cut his hair. Not at all. For the rest of his life. Some people would take uh, uh, momentary a Nazarite vows. I say maybe a week of Nazarite vows or three months of Nazarite vows. But Samson to be used by God as Israel's deliverer were to be a Nazarite always. Can I get an amen? Look at this. Uh, one more comparison to Superman and Samson, then I'll leave Superman alone. Uh, do you remember that there was something that caused Superman to lose all his strength? What was it? I see you like him too. Samson had his kryptonite. For Samson's kryptonite, it was called... The flesh nature. By the way, my brothers and sisters, you and I have our own kryptonite also. It's called the flesh nature. And your flesh nature may not attack you the same way that it attacks me, but it will attack you. The world, the flesh, and the devil will come knocking at your door, but greater is God who is in you than the devil who is all around you. You don't have to go running from kryptonite. Just get full of Jesus. Amen. Oh, man. I, I just want to apologize for yelling. I mean, I'm preaching now in JC's church and tall, dark, and handsome and wears shoes without socks and I can't do all that. See, very discreet, talks very nice. This is my Alpha and Omega sermon. <laughs> I will. I told the first service, I said, look, first I start telling, and man, you probably hadn't heard me preach before, so I just want to understand what, why I do what I do. First I start telling the word, then I start yelling the word. And there's two reasons. Why I yell the word. That's because I'm anointed. And, and secondly, you ain't going to go to sleep in my preaching. No, no, no. You, you, will, you will not fall asleep in this house. And now I lost my place, Pastor. The flesh, it's our enemy. I like what Dr. Vernon McGee used to say. Dr. Vernon McGee has now gone to be with the Lord, but he lives as a thought that fits right here. He used to say this about the flesh and nature. It's never removed and it's never improved. It was flesh the day God saved us. It still be flesh, just flesh the day we lay it down in death. It will never removed and will never improve. But you got a counterpart to flesh, and it's called the Spirit of God. It does, it, it always improves, amen, and it always removes the things. Let me move on. I see five wrong choices that Samson makes by yielding to the flesh nature, and I'm going to move through them so we can 
use our time wisely. Number one, the first choice he made by yielding to the flesh nature is he went to the wrong place. Yes, Samson went, according to the Bible, went down to Timnah and saw a woman there of the daughter of the Philistines. Went to the wrong place. You see, you see, uh, Timnah is Philistine territory. That's the wrong place. Uh, look here. He went into the enemy's territory. He went to Gaza and spent the night with a prostitute. Wrong place. He went to the valley of Sorek and saw a woman there whose name was Delilah. Wrong place. You know, I have learned that if I don't run from sin, it's liable to overtake me. That's good. I just said that and made it up. I don't have it in my notes here. <laughs> Look at this. The catch of this. I don't mind us having fun fellowship, but I don't want you to miss the word. Here's what I found out about wrong place. If you and I go to the wrong place, the anointing will leave us. The anointing. The anointing is what gives us the ability to do the things of God. If we go to the wrong place, Samson's strength left him when he entered Philistine territory. Your strength will leave. If you go to the wrong place, you will go into the enemy's camp all by yourself. You don't need to go all by yourself nowhere, anywhere. And here it is. In that he went to the enemy's camp, being the wrong place, that's where he died. To the wrong place, he went to the place of his death. Listen to me, and I mean this well. There are some places God just ain't going to go with us if we're bent on going there. Say amen by faith. If you're going down the highway at life and Jesus is traveling with you and God and, and you, you, you see an exit sign and it says all kinds of attractions, all kinds of vices, all kinds of potential evil and you're saying, Jesus, let's just, let's just get off here for a little bit. I just want to see, I just want to see. Jesus is going to say, you can go on your own because you know what happens when you do what you did. I won't be waiting for you on the other side of this exit because I'm not intending to bail you out of your mess another time so you can mess up again. Give you, let me give you a couple of other thoughts very quickly. This is the second wrong choice. He was looking at the wrong thing. The Bible says that he saw a woman in Timnah, the daughters of the Philistines. We don't even know her name. Looking at the wrong thing. He, he went home and told his mom and dad, get her for me, we know her name. I, I see her and I like her. She's in Timnah. Afterwards, he goes to the valley of Sorek and finds another woman whose name is Delilah. <laughs> I just need you to know this, okay? If you got a child on the way and uh, that baby's going to be a female gender, when that baby arises, don't name her Delilah. <laughs> and don't give her the middle name Jezebel. Well, here's my daughter, Delilah Jezebel, right from the Philistines. It's a side thought, another one of the things I didn't neglect. Uh, here's, here's, here's another thought, please. But let me say this. 
it's amazing to me how since the Garden of Eden and until now, the devil doesn't need any more strategies than he's used back then to get us to get off the king's highway. He used in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says, Eve saw the fruit of the tree that she saw it that was good to eat and she ate it and gave it to her husband and they fell in sin because of what they saw. Here's number three. He rejected godly counsel. The Bible says that the Israelites were forbidden to marry their enemies, Philistines. Forbidden. Don't intermarry pagans, sinners. Samson knows that, but he's kind of got this idea. Since I'm a man of God, since I'm so strong, since I'm a Nazarite, God understands where every once in a while I can do my own thing. Uh, he resisted the counsel of his parents. And again, here's a thought. He rejected godly counsel. He rejected the words of his parents. And, and his parents says to him in chapter 14, verse 3, isn't there even one woman in our tribe or among all the Israelites who you can marry? They asked, why must you go to the pagan Philistines to find a wife? Come on, Simpson. Keep it pure. Keep it anointed. Keep it of God so you could stay anointed. Why you got to go among the pagans? Some of you got married and you found out you had a surprise package after a few months. It's a council of single young ladies, pastor, pray for me, you know, so-and-so. And, and some of these young ladies are thinking that the last train of males were leaving planet Earth. So I better grab one before they go. I'm serious. Man, God deliberately did not make me six foot five because I done, I done slapped so many people I'd be in jail. But I'm serious when I tell you. You see, see, Samson Samson needed some advice on choosing a mate according to his faith. Did you get that? Christians ought to choose a mate according to their faith. And their faith is the word of God that says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. God's got the right person for everybody. Samson wouldn't listen though. I mean, the only people he could find is a bunch of heathen girls. Let, let me move on. Uh, number four, what had started in Samson's mind, he now practiced with his body. Yeah, you know where it begins. He started thinking I can do what I want to do. He started thinking I'm Samson. He started thinking God will always anoint me regardless. And he made so many decisions, he didn't consult God. God was nowhere on his radar. I can learn from Samson. Can't you? Look at the scripture. It'll be on the screen about temptation. And remember, when you're being tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. Can I get an amen? God is never tempted to do wrong. And he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires. Desires which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions. And when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. That's the story of Samson. It went from his mind 
to his body. Oh, I'll be okay. I'll just drive by there one time. I won't go in. I'll be okay. I'll just make this one phone call. That'll be it. I'll be okay. I'll, I, I, I knew God brought me out of that, but it's, not, it's been about three weeks, and I think I'm overcome now. I, 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 I'll be okay. I mean, everybody else that has done it is okay. I'll never forget. Years and years ago. And I went to the emergency entrance of the Noonan Hospital that is now a campus for West Georgia. It was about one o'clock in the morning. I'll never forget that as I went into the emergency entrance, I was met by mom and dad who told me that our daughter almost drowned. She was at a party with her friends. They were drinking and horsing around. And she fell into that pool and nobody noticed where she was for a while. And you know how she got some help? Her friends brought her to the entrance of the emergency part of the hospital, took her out of the car and laid her on the ground and left her. Be careful who you call friends. Okay, I'm just trying to tell you that it may not affect your, you, you as much or them as much. It'll affect you. I'm talking about sin. Let, let me move on. The final thought here. He violated his commitment to God. The last thing I can note, there are others I can say about wrong choice, is that he violated his commitment to God. God will always keep his part of the commitment. Amen, amen. Yeah, but okay, let let me move on quickly here. Got a a few minutes and I, uh, I usually close a sermon three or four times. This will be the first one. Samson gets hooked up. I don't mean to be carnal by that, Pastor. I just mean to make the analogy. Samson gets hooked up. He gets together with Delilah. Okay? He gets with a woman he wants to marry, and he ruins her life. She ruins his. He gets with another woman who spends the night with him, and he could care less who she was. But he comes to this... Delilah woman, a Philistine woman in Sorak. And boy, he loves her now. She don't love him. The only reason that she gives him the time of day is because the Philistine rulers and call lords of the Philistines who was after Samson for 20 years hoping to kill him because he's been a nuisance and a menace and everything terrible to the Philistines. And the Lord of the Philistines, numbers of them came and said to her, you seduce him. You talk to him kindly. You make him think you care about him. And you let us know, you ask him the source of his strength. And we'll give you, each of us, 1,100 coins of silver. Let's presume 
I don't know the number of the lords of the Philistines, but let's presume the number of the lords of the Philistines were 20. Let's also then say you take 20 men, each giving 1,100 coins. Would that be like 22,000? Hey, take your phone out. <laughs> it is 11. It's like 22,000. But, but I say this. And so here's, here's where he messes up the commitment of God. Here's where the bad haircut comes in. Here's where the killing haircut comes in. Here's where the damning haircut comes in. Here's where the haircut comes in that money couldn't pay for. What's your strength, Samson? He says, well, if you tie me up with green vines, you bind me with it. He said, all my strength is gone. She causes him to fall asleep. She has somebody come bind him in green vines. He wakes up in the morning. She said, look, the Philistines are here. He breaks them loose, and he still has his strength. She says, you're not telling me the truth. So he says to her, uh, she says, well, what is the real thing? And they say, he says to her, I'll tell you the real deal. And, and she is told that if they take new rope that's never been used, rope, and bind him up, uh, then he'll be just like any ordinary man. And they do exactly that. He gets up in the morning, and, and she says, the Philistine's about to get you. He breaks the rope. Still strong. Well, now, well now you, you're making fun of me. You, you're making fun of me, and I, I don't like that. Now, tell me. You know I love you. <laughs> you know I love you. You ever heard that? How about this one? If you love me, if you love me, oh boy. When I say oh boy, it's because I got a lot of computer stuff going in my head and it ain't got to do what I'm going to have for lunch. Here's a fourth shot on it, Samson. He says, okay, okay, he says, you, you know, I... He's all flustered. He knows he ain't going to get away from it. He says, if you, and there was another account, but let me say this to you. This is the fourth one. He said, if you, there's never been a razor to my head. My hair's never been shaven. But if my hair is shaven, all of my strength, all of it will be gone. That's exactly what happened. They shaved his hair while his head was on her lap and he was asleep. And when he woke up in the morning, as the custom was the last three times, she said, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. And he got up, thought, I'm Sam. I'll show her. He got up and he knew not that the Lord had departed from him. Wouldn't that be awful? They came in. They gouged out his eyes. They did. We got you now, Samson. They gouged out his eyes. They threw him in prison. They put him with the animals that grind the grain, the mill, or the grindstone. And they, they mocked him. And so his life ended with these four words. There was a mutilation. Mutilation. His eyes were pressed out. There's another word that's part of his end of the life story, the conclusion of the book. The word is deportation. They moved him for where he was, caught, found. They took him to Gaza, the city of the harlot. 
deportation. Number three, there was an incarceration. Incarceration meant they didn't just throw him in jail. They bound his hands and feet. And lastly, he grinded in the prison. Because sin binds, sin blinds, and sin grinds. So what does all this mean? Very quickly, here's what it means. We are not Superman or Wonder Woman. We need God. Everybody say, I need God. Say it again louder. I need God. We are not superheroes. We need God. Here's what it means. I have to recognize my kryptonite. What is your kryptonite? You recognize it, you avoid it, and you run from it. Mine may be different, but call out your kryptonite. Get somebody alongside you and say, you got to hold me accountable because this kryptonite's about to destroy me. What does it all mean? Don't let pride keep you from seeking help. Amen. Gentlemen, one of the worst attributes we have is pride. You have, guys, you ever been lost on the highway and your wife caught it and you act like, no, I just want you to see the pastures over here with the cows. Pride. Here's the last thought. What, what does all this mean? Someone is looking at you to be their superman or their superhero. Don't let them down. Someone was looking at Samson as, as, as their superman or superhero, but he let him down. But you know what? He fell and died that day. I told you earlier, he was blinded. He went out in the arena. The, the house came down. 3,000 people died, and he died in the end of that. But here's, here's what I want you to see for close. Remember I say, Close five times, this will be the second one. Uh, if Samson would have asked God to let him live while he killed the enemies, guess what God would have done? He let him live. You don't have to die. I don't know what yesterday was for you. The house may have come down on you yesterday, but today is another day. Can we give the Lord the praise? Stand, stand, we give the Lord the praise. Come on, after you stand. Hallelujah. So let everybody uh, bow their heads for just a moment. And then I just want to single out the brethren, the men, the boys. The men, the boys, the granddaddy, the daddy, the husband, whoever you are, as long as you're the male gender and you feel okay with this. You don't feel pressured by it. Raise your hands. I want to pray over you if that's you. Just all the men in the house. You repeat after me and we'll cause this prayer by faith be God's covering. Here we go. Lord Jesus, thank you for another day. Thank you that what the devil meant for evil, you make it good. I want to be a better father, a better son, a better husband, a, a better uh, worker, and a better Christian. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I lay my life open for your cleansing, for your service, and for your anointing. Thank you for another chance and for every blessing else. In Jesus' name, amen.
God bless you. Amen.